Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seria Chronicles is a Maya Chronicles production. <laughs> So just before we get started, I want you to head over to seriachronicles.com forward slash Patreon now and subscribe to the Chronicles to FOSI Patreon membership with a free seven-day trial. Get early access to every full-length episode and voice note before the rest of the world. Plus, all episodes are 100% ad-free and you get bonus Patreon-only exclusive episodes, video episodes, and behind-the-scenes extras that include just, you know, chit-chat, me and Nikki talking about David Beckham, pop culture, whatever you want. Also, be sure to join the new chat community in the Patreon app and chat with fellow subscribers. Hello, Nikki. How you doing? I'm doing good, Mina. That was a very good read. I was very <laughs> impressed with how smoothly you managed to remember all of the important parts that I would have forgotten. Oh, Nikki. Okay, guys, I really want to want to talk about because we come on here and, and we have all these chats before the show starts. And and I always come in with a clear budget of time, you know, guys, we, we're going to give it two hours. <laughs> it's so true. Like you come straight in and say, we've only got this much time. We can't run over today because I have to get off and do this thing. And then, and then what happens, chat? I'm just interrupting me now. But what happens? then is having clarified that we've only got limited time for the recording <laughs> Mina starts telling me all about her favorite rom-com from the 90s Wait, no no, I, no Nikki no yeah can, can we just explain <laughs> this a second yeah firstly okay we had started talking about the monologue that I have to do at the start yeah and then, then Simon wants us to read uh-huh. and halfway through Nikki just goes hmm who would I pick for it to play if I could choose my favorite group for them to play yeah so then she starts wandering <laughs> around pot one pot two who could Italy is a best opponent and then obviously it just starts getting out of hand about why we call Italy Italy and Turkey Turkey now and all these different conversations and I was thinking <laughs> somehow I'm not sure how I'm not gonna lie but we've gone to the rom-com <laughs> of only you <laughs> guys it's a really old rom-com it's my favorite one I watch it about five six times a, a year in all honesty I remember I um I had uh, <laughs> my boyfriend actually on our first ever trip took me to Italy to retrace um the hotels and the and the uh the actual cities in that in that film because I was that's so sweet oh my goodness Mina he <laughs> was like the only time I liked him um and it was really I'm joking but it was like <laughs> a really 
Honestly, I would have enjoyed it if it wasn't 43 degrees in and I was trying really hard to just survive at that point. But like in general, it was really sweet. But this film. And then Nikki goes, I've never even heard of it. And even Simon has heard of it. Even Simon watches it, you know. Nikki, it's set in Italy. I, I'm really excited for it, though, because honestly, like, um, despite having never heard of it, and I'm, I'm the right generation because I'm the same age as you. Like, I don't know how I haven't heard of this movie, only you. Um, but I, I think when you were a kid in the 90s, mm-hmm. which we both were, <laughs> sorry for aging us, Mina, but we were, um, like, there's like an era of just very gentle rom-coms that you hark back to a bit that I feel like don't get made in the same anymore. And when you watch some of them back, some of them you think, well, it's a good reason we don't make rom-coms like this anymore because the messaging is absolutely horrendous. (laughs) Like some of the messaging in them is like, you know, just make sure you shack up with the absolute worst person in the world who's like a narcissist and and gaslights you and does all this stuff. But But as long as it's rich. (laughs) Right. But um, but there's something about just sort of movies that you can that you can just sort of I don't know relax into and not have to try and you know where it's going to go and that's great. Like it's sometimes we all need that in our lives and so I'm excited. There's one that I haven't seen before that I can get to to find now. So I'm looking forward to watching Only You. Although I can't find it for free anywhere. I was just googling all the streaming services to see if I can watch it for free because that's how we do all TV Wait. now. Is is it free? Well, not really free, but am I already paying for it on a subscription? We also had an argument about whether or not it started with a Ouija board. It's probably worth clarifying. That's <laughs> <laughs> you and producer Simon. I, I don't no, know. I was I, talking I, I and, then get, and then Nikki goes, well, here on this, it says that it does start with a Ouija board. Yes, yes. So yes, so that was our conversation. Then we started trying to pick our favorite group that would... Uh, Oh, and basically, it's also worth noting, then we started discussing what we bought on Black Friday. Black Friday. And Nikki's, Nikki's got quite a few like electronic shopping in. I don't normally go in for Black Friday in a big way. I, I always sort of look at it and go, oh, I should get some stuff while it's cheap, and I never do. And I'm also always a bit suspicious about whether they're really deals or not, or whether people have just sort of done a bit of trickery with the prices. Mm. But my TV has been threatening to break. It's been making some sort of weird flickering. And so, and it is about 15 years old. So I, I finally bit the bullet and got a new telly. And I've also bought a new computer um, because I always do everything off my laptop. And I thought, well, a friend a friend who knows more about these things than I do told me that now you can get quite a small desktop. So I thought, well, I'd quite like the convenience of, of not always having to use my laptop means I can um, have it ready to go places. And also I think if you use your laptop all the time, you sort of run it down quicker. So I've got a nice little mini desktop coming that will fit into the nook in my desk hopefully quite well so yeah I've done loads this year Mina yeah um did you do black I didn't even got to asking you if you'd done much Black Friday shopping I did but I only did it for skincare <laughs> <laughs> oh I did that too I mean, that's like necessary like why would you not because you know you're going to use it and like why would you not yeah they were just really good offers on like cleansers and like all of those yeah. types of stuff so I did all my beauty shopping in essence oh and I did get a few presents for Christmas um, clever just because you might as well if they are 30 percent off mm-hmm. right that's our shopping which also yes which even when i gift stuff to men i also give them skincare <laughs> so and then i write down the whole like thing on how to <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
dude, you, your skin needs a bit of help. So this is how you're going to do it. And then I write down how they're supposed to use them because a lot of the times they don't know how to use them or they mix stuff. Anyway, <laughs> I really feel like I want to start a skincare blog, um, but uh-huh. <laughs> I just can't do all these different things and watch football um we should probably get into the football imagine if football had a black friday like imagine if all the teams like instead of having the transfer window you reach like an extra like one day transfer window on black friday and all the players are marked down by 30 percent everyone would get mbappe (laughs) Uh (laughs) oh my god imagine that imagine that who would you go for (gasps) who would you like at 30 percent off i mean you want everyone at 30 percent off don't you um yeah I uh, I wish I could get a thirty percent of my time back from that Derby d'Italia, Mina. There you go. I'll give you a segue to the the game of the weekend. <laughs> Did you really not like it? I I know that everyone said that it was really terrible, but I'm I'm going to like like I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> so I don't know whether I just got really heavily involved that I stopped noticing how bad it is. Or well, it's really funny when you say that because I was sort of tickled that you tweeted I think like just before the game maybe we're not supposed to call it tweet anymore but I, d- I don't know how to say it if I'm not mm, saying tweeted you exed like it's weird <laughs> like um but you you tweeted before the game about this being like the worst Juventus team in yeah. forever which I don't fully agree with because <gasps> I mean they were really bad before Conte came in for a couple of years but how bad though how bad how bad but then I thought I thought they played some pretty good football in that first half um and I was a bit surprised by how dynamic and, and energetic they looked. I was expecting the the classic Allegri um, low block, which which it became pretty quickly, to be fair. Um, but yeah, Chiesa obviously flashed a shot over. Really nice combination with Vlahovic for the goal. I mean, Vlahovic was brilliant on the goal from start to end of that move. And obviously then Inter's got a great goal of their own back. I, I thought the first half was quite entertaining. The second half was astonishingly nothing. Like really nothing happened in that second half. I think there was one shot and not not even a shot on target. There was one shot between the two teams. Maybe it was on target. Still only one shot between the two teams. And I think it was sort of predictable and I don't really blame anyone for it because there was this whole conversation beforehand, both the managers being asked, oh, would you sign for a draw? And even though they both said no, you look at it and you go, well, Draw does kind of suit everyone, right? It allows Juventus to say we're still in touch with the leaders. It allows the Inter to still be in first and they've got another good game crossed off the list. But I, I did think the second half was rubbish. I think I think some of the reporting, same as you mean, I mean, Gazetta think called it like the worst game ever or something. <laughs> I think some of it was a bit overblown. Um, the worst Derby d'Italia ever or something. Um, but uh, but it, it, it wasn't great. The second half was pretty dull. Okay, so I'm going to challenge you because uh, I, uh-huh. I you said that it was the worst team ever. Um, not ever in like in recent, say, memories. Um, and you said before Conte. So should we say 2009, 2010? What, what, what year would you like to go for? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Uh, let's go for 2008. Okay, damn it. <laughs> I got 2009 up. <laughs> See, I knew what you were doing. You're like 2009. I was like a one year before. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. 2008, nine. Okay, <laughs> let's go. But I mean, they were dreadful. They were dreadful late in that, right? 2010 was was Del Neri, which was horrendous. Um, uh, but you just to argue that, that was just purely Del Neri rather than uh, the uh, the squad the actual players on the books. Well, yeah. think about it. Okay, I'll hold on. Let's let's have a look at 2008 to 2009. Um, which was a horrendous time. But they still had Giorgio Canini. They still had Gianluigi Buffon. 
I mean, they had a Maori, so I get it. But they also had Del Piero. They had Nedved. <laughs> um, they had Mauro Camaronesi. They had Trezeguet. They had Claudio Marquisio. They had Sebastian Jovinko. Okay. Mohamed Sissoko. I mean, I yeah. still think it's better than Cavinia. Um, I, I feel really bad because I'm only picking on him. I, you can mention anyone if you like. You know, most of them are horrendous. I mean, Weston McKenney, who got relegated with Leeds, is like the, the star in the midfield. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian Rabio, who so far has had one good season, um, still not considered it, but at least you say he can play for France. But barring really Chiesa and Bremer, I find it really difficult to honestly turn around and say this is a really great squad, you know? It's it's tricky. So I'm now looking at Del Neri's squad, 2010-2011. And yes, you've still got Chiellini. You've still got Marchisio. You've got Del Piero. But it's also about what point these players are at in their career. Tresge is, is there. Um, I, there's, there's players in there. Um, did Tresge leave that season? He left in 2010. Uh, yeah, so that was, did he actually play at all that season? I don't think he did, did he? Um, no, yeah. Okay, he, okay. I think, yeah, I think he played one Europa League game before the beginning. So Tresge isn't really there. Um, so yeah, some of those names sound good on paper, but they weren't necessarily at their high back at the time. And there are some players there who were on the downturn of their careers. I, I don't know. I think that the squad was pretty soft in, in 2010, 2011. But um, I, I take your point in absolute terms, in, in terms of the quality, you're, you're, you're struggling to, to name those star players in the same way. And it's interesting that when you talk about the player who did score for them, Dusan Vlavic, that's the guy who should be the one that makes you feel excited. I mean, that is still your 70 million euro striker. I think he's the best played player in the whole league. Um, and this was one of those goals that reminded you what he should be, what he can be. It was a, it was a brilliant goal. I mean, he, he earns it by winning the ball in possession winning the ball in midfield to, to begin with. He makes that smart pass out to Kiers and and the finish I thought was really well taken as well because it's one of those you don't want to like put your foot through. You just got to open your body up and let the the power of the ball carry itself where it's meant to go. And I, I think he, he he scored a great goal, but I understand where you're coming from that when you read that name, you don't feel as unambiguously good about it as you do about a Chiellini or a Del Piero or even a, a Marchisio. And even the other player who has been great recently and who um, uh, is probably the, the one you want to be a star in this team, Federico Chiesa, you probably don't even put him at the level of Marquisio for what Marquisio did for, for Juventus yet, do you? So so I see where you're coming from. I, I do understand that. You know, it's, um, it's really odd. So let me start this off by saying, obviously, it was a 1-1 match, a 1-1 game and played at Juventus' stadium. This was what we thought would be a fixture that was circled and underlined by Allegri because, you know, everyone remembers last year when he turned around to enter and mumbled, you're going to end up in, in behind us anyway, um, in the league table. And honestly, I looked at the starting lineup and I looked at the midfield, which had Cavilia because of so many absences. Obviously, we already know the long-term absences of Paul Bogba and Nicola Fagioli. But it was also Miretti was struggling with the lower back pain. So it was Weston McKenney, Adrian Rabiot and um, Nicolusi Cavilia, who wasn't terrible. Um, but you could see a difference when Locatelli did come on and actually could produce the vertical passes, the through passes. Just the overall passing ability that he has is is so much higher than than obviously what Cavilia had. Um, Cavilia had only played two minutes before, made his uh, debut, I think, in 2019. It's funny because when he came on, I completely forgot about 2019. I just thought this was an 18-year-old. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And then he's like older than half the squad. So <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. Um, and everyone's like, oh, you know, well done to Allegri to showing faith in him. And I'm like, the guy's like near retirement. You know, like, he's 23. Come on, Fina. Near retirement. How old are we? <laughs> no, but someone did actually We're tweet that. We're talking about movies in the 90s. The mean is like 23 is haggard. <laughs> you know what? Because <laughs> I follow a lot of these people that really hate Allegri, right? So I think it was like Tancredi had written something like, well done. You know, this shows like, you know, well done to Cavilia. And someone had responded being like, the guy's near retirement. <laughs> and, and I don't know why, but it really made me laugh. Yeah. Also, because everyone was like up in arms about, um, obviously, oh, I forgot. Oh, my God. I can't forget. Uh, what, the, the Milan youngster that came on. <gasps> Camarda. Camarda. Thank you. Coming yeah. on at 15 years old. And everyone's like, you know, this guy's only 10 years older. And everyone's like, well done. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You're right. It's eight years difference. That is crazy. That is actually crazy when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, especially when nowadays what 18 and 19 year olds are doing and um, yeah. like Bellingham and, and Gavi and Pedri and, you know, Musiala, you name it. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm not wanting to foreshadow a different game we're going to talk about later, but I... Obviously, El Sharawi scored again this weekend for Roma. Every time I see El Sharawi, I'm surprised by how young he is because he's 31. I think to myself, you have been playing in Serie A since like I can remember almost if it was like. Yeah, I feel like I ever since like, like Zlatan was like in the biggest player in Serie A. Right? Like 2008 was his debut, which is forever ago. It's 15 years ago. So yeah, you know, Kamarda might might be around uh, um, making us think this in, in a decade and a half's time. So Kamada was born the year that Sharawi made his debut. Oh God, that's a crazy thought. That is. That's, it's almost disgusting. Um, I need yeah. to buy more skincare. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> this is where it is. But okay, talking about the game. Um, so I honestly looked at that midfield and I thought to myself, in all honesty, if Inter are as good as we think they are, um, and that they should be about 20 points ahead of this entire team, uh, sorry, this entire league, I really thought that they should win this. Um, and I do think it's more of a missed chance for them, even though it was in Juventus's home. But I thought Juve did a, a terrific tactical job, totally nullified Di Marco um, and Dumfries, and played this game in which they tried to negate their ability on the wings. Um, and just stop stop them in their tracks. And I and I feel like this is sometimes where I wonder with with Inter whether because a lot of their substitutions have always been sort of like for like. Is there a way that they can overcome that? Did they even want to overcome that? Considering they have such a tough schedule ahead, with obviously playing in the Champions League now midweek against um, Benfica, 
um, they do want to earn top spot in that group so that they don't face heavy hitters like Madrid or Bayern. And then they have Napoli coming up in the weekend and probably thought to themselves, you know, look, we showed maturity to get our equaliser. Do we really need to go much further ahead? I do think that you should have gotten much further ahead because they've got a heavy schedule after January. And I, I just think when you include the games to do with Coppa Italia, when you include the knockout stages of the Champions League, it's it's better now to have sort of padded out the gap between you and Juve, especially with this this midfield. Like, I feel like I could beat it. But anyway, but nonetheless, I thought Allegri did a terrific job. And I, I, I think just to, to quickly pick up on that point, Mina, I think you have to like contextualise, or you don't have to, but I want to contextualise in, in, in like, what happened in these fixtures last year? Because Inzaghi even said that at the end, right? He was like, uh, last year we played the same game and we lost. Mm. And over the two games last season, Inter had twice as many shots as Juventus. I think more than twice as many shots as Juventus in the two league games, but came away with three goals conceded and none scored. So I, I do think... Um, I understand not wanting to walk into that trap again and perhaps being more cautious as a result. Yeah, I, I do get that. I also feel like they lost it last year because Lautaro wasn't this Lautaro last year. Yeah. And I think he's the difference maker. I know that we can talk a lot about the mistakes that were made defensively. And I agree that a foul should have been made if you can't stop somebody as brilliant as Lautaro. But he is the difference maker. He is turning what are potentially draws into wins. I'm um, sorry, sorry, rather <laughs> potentially losses into at least a point um, or even draws into wins. He is he is just that level of quality um, and a step up. But I, do, I don't necessarily think that on a tactical level, they are hugely better than they were last season. I think that they are, their mentality is better. I think that they believe in themselves a lot more right now. I think Chalanoglu has been performing brilliantly, albeit not in this match in particular. I think DeMarco has been an incredible player for them, but it's more based on how much their players have actually grown into, into their roles, um, which which obviously helps, and that has a lot to do with what Inzaghi is doing as well. But I, I can't help but think that if I was an Inter fan, I would have been really irritated. Um, as a Juve fan... Uh, who is the best? Who's the best coach in the league? <laughs> I do think it's him. <laughs> like I just, I love him. Like I, I, you know, I, I do sometimes get angry with Allegri because it really is like not exactly the most exciting brand of football. I did enjoy Paolo Di Canio, who said that he is the anomaly. You know, we're in a world where everyone tries to go forward. He's like making sure that we have to go backwards if we have to secure the result. You know, but. He is the guy that knows how to shut teams down. He is the guy that's making the most of what he's got. Um, and it sort of just reminds me when Juventus had to play, it's not obviously of the same level. Real Madrid at that stage were just ridiculous. But when they played Sturaro in midfield against uh, Real Madrid in the Champions League, and I just thought this is going to be 7-0. <laughs> and we won. And I I don't know. I, I guess that obviously this is not the same level. It was just a draw. But I really didn't see that coming. I really did see an inter thrashing. So on that level, maybe because I was so pessimistic that I'm overjoyed at what happened eventually. Um, and it makes me believe in this team. But I would still like to see this Juve against better technique, um, teams that are much more outgoing going forward, because this is where I, I worry, because against a Sassuolo, against, I don't know, a Kravatskeria, I still worry that this Juve side could concede five, as they did last season. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, just first of all, Mina, there, you know, asking who the best manager in the, in the league is, and I had to bite my tongue not to say Thiago Motta, just to see uh, see That's what the true. reaction would be. He's been pretty big, well. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I think, I think you could definitely make a case that Inter didn't control the game as as well as they would have done. I think you're absolutely right that Allegri had a, a good game plan in shutting down the two. Uh, the two wide areas for for Inter. And Inzaghi said it was not a surprise that they did this to us last season, but the fact that he's able to still do it um, with modest talent, and it is modest talent that Juventus are working with in, in, in several parts of the pitch, is is impressive. Um, I think that part of the reason that Inter are ahead of everyone in Serie A and why I still accept them to win the league is because the individual talent is that little bit above. And obviously Lautaro is Lautaro. I thought it was a brilliantly taken goal again. Mm. I think if you look at where he starts his run, he's he's tussling with Gatti. Gatti's got his hands all over him. He drops back and then he times that that run to the near post. But but it isn't just about um, him in this move. I thought Barella actually had quite a quiet game, but that one moment, the moment he comes across and plays that touch, one touch pass onto Turam, unlocks the goal. And likewise, Turam, who's been brilliant, brilliant. Um, does his own brilliant work on that goal. And in terms of are they better than last season, same as last season, it's hard to say. And I think that we'll really see at the business end of the Champions League. But I do think Turam is so different to what they had up front last season. Yeah. I think Lukaku and Dzeko were both very effective at certain times and they offered quite an interesting diversity in terms of what they do because they weren't the same kind of player despite physically having similar heft, I suppose. But Turam is different again to both of them. Neither Lukaku nor um, Dzeko is going to get on the ball and dribble like he does. Um, and so I think it's it's definitely a different question that opponents have to have to answer now. So so I I don't know. I I think um, I think uh, the draw in my mind really did just suit both teams. And as you know, I predicted on here that Juventus are going to win. So perhaps I came in with a different set of expectations. Um, but I am. Um, you know, I enjoyed Luigi Garlando and his piece in Gazetta where he was being scathing about the game, but in quite mm-hmm. a funny way. But he also said at one point, you know, um, he, he described Juventus, um, I can't remember his exact phrasing, but it was to paraphrase it as as the crocodile lying waiting in the water. And, you know, if you go in and take a drink, they're going to drag you down with them. And that is quite a nice description, I think, of how that low block can feel it's come on you know come forward walk into us see what happens and when Kiersa and Vlaovic are as good as they can be as they were on that combination for the goal it does change the balance and so perhaps when we talk about individual talent that is part of this picture as well yes Allegri is doing a really sort of smart job of, of making the most of his resources they have been very defensively robust for a team that doesn't have many remarkable players. I, I do really like Bremer. I think Bremer's a, a great brilliant, defender, but, but overall they're not sort of standout talents. Um, but what, what makes them dangerous is they can play that way and know that actually when that Kiesa-Blavich partnership is is working, it's quite a scary counterpunch. Like that's not, that's not something you can ignore. It was interesting because I was um, reading what Ultimo Uomo they were very critical of Juventus last season. And they were talking about the fact that they were critical largely because the statistics were telling them that Juventus were overperforming last season. They were getting clean sheets when they didn't deserve to. Their defense always looked like it was going to be hit um, quite 
hard uh, when they faced better talents or faced better teams. And we saw that happening. We saw even them being destroyed by the likes of Maccabi Haifa. Um, but that this season, they're actually a lot better um, statistically. And that they do sort of force teams to take shots from outside because they don't consider those shots to be ones that could really terrify them. So it's about how mm. they play the game in the sense that, you know, go ahead, have a shot, but inside the box, you're not going to come anywhere near us, you know, and, and just the way that the team is playing right now just is playing with a lot more of sort of intelligence. A third of the shots that they create do come from set pieces. So, you know, this isn't based on like wonderful patterns of play, but just making the most of just getting little wins. I mean, at least that's what I wrote in my, in my column was, I was saying that I, I do feel like what Allegri focuses on is getting as many small wins on the pitch as possible to make it one big win. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still a lot of, about them that irritates me. And it's it's funny, even the goal, because I do think Flavaj needs um, a little bit of love because I think he's been heavily criticized. And I'm somebody who did heavily criticize him and probably will continue to do so if he doesn't keep this up. Um, but I thought what he did for the goal deserves a lot of applause. And generally speaking, his mobility, his uh, willingness to just come back and get the goal the get the ball and, and try to play it forward his he was just a lot better than I've seen him play and Allegri actually called it the best performance that he'd ever seen Federico Chiesa was just a magician for Italy and yet even when he was delivering the assist it's just this head down I mean finally he put his head up just to cross it in time thank god yeah but there is just this part of him that he can't really shake that part off and I feel like it will you know, and again, he missed a great chance, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get on his back because every every brilliant player in the world misses many, many great chances. You know, Lautaro misses missed four in a Champions League game, but it is that great chance. It is another great chance for Italy that sometimes, you know, he he doesn't take. And I do think he is a, is of that level where I expect a lot more of him than I would expect of any other player because I do think he's that mm. much better. So I am going to be much harsher in my criticism of him. Um, but I do, I do wish that he plays it just a little bit more with his head up. Um, I think he was great in in the give and go, obviously, like delivering the ball back to Vlaovic. Um, and he is somebody who always scares you when he's off, um, especially when he's playing a little bit further out wide, which he seemed to be doing on this occasion. But I still think this is a team that has a lot to learn going forward. So I want to see where they are in February. I'm dying to see where the team is is in February and whether or not they will heed some of these lessons and grow and grow as a unit. Um, but it is a real shame that there's no Pogba and Fagioli because I I just think this team could have been so much better. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly some some. When we talk about the big names in those past Juventus teams, you put Pogba in this team and and the reputation changes things. Yeah. But I mean, it's he's not been present since since they signed him really in any serious way, has he? So that one's probably less directly sort of impactful in my mind than Fajoli is, who perhaps we did expect to be playing quite a prominent role this season. Yeah, unfortunately for them. Okay, let's move on to, unless there's anything else you want to say, but feel like we should... No, only, only, the only thing to say, actually, one uh, observation is that having drawn this game and and you were just saying interested to see where they are in February and I thought Allegri's words at the end about building consapole I'm not going to say it building self-awareness consapole why can't I speak today I can't say the word consapole (laughs) there we go can't say words Um, but uh, he talked about uh, um, 
yeah, building that self-awareness by being second for a long time. Actually, Friday night away to Monza, events can go first, only for two nights because Inter play on Sunday, but Inter play away to Napoli, so it could be longer. So a real chance for Juventus to put some pressure on. The league table doesn't matter too much right now, but again, that thing of building self-confidence is is perhaps meaningful. Yeah, Monza destroyed Juventus twice last season. I, yes. I, <laughs> that will be interesting to see because Juventus at least won over Inter last season, whereas Monza Monster turned into monsters against Juventus. So I'm interested to see how that game goes um, for sure. Um, but also it was the first match of Napoli under Walter Mazzari. Um, I don't know. We, did we actually discuss what his return meant for Napoli at the time? Because I don't think we felt we went into that because obviously everything happened with Italy and the national team. Well, the- you were missing, you were missing and, and, Patrick and I spoke about it a bit. Patrick, Patrick had some some sort of uh, yes, yes, some memories and and thoughts about uh, Mazzari. It it he's such a fascinating figure, Mazzari. I um um yeah, we, we did talk about him a bit on that that last one. I I feel like when you and I used to do ESPN shows with Gab Marcotti, Mazzari was like Marcotti's <laughs> number one player to kick like he really loved sort of laying the boot uh, manager to kick the number one person he loved laying the boot into and and we all did to some extent I think Mansari uh, at times in his career has has retreated into sort of almost like a parody of, of defensiveness um but uh at the same time is he the guy who has somehow I was gonna say is he the guy who has cameras on his mother or was that Spalletti no that was um I think that was Spalletti okay it's not, I don't think that's Mansari. Mm, mm-hmm. um, but, but what Mansari often is, is fantastic content. I mean, he's he's hilarious on the sidelines. He's always so dramatic. I remember sort of, you know, these gifts, still get sent gifts and those of him sort of biting bottles and things. Ultima Wama did a great rundown of all the best gifts of Walter Mansari, and it's quite a co- compilation. Um, he's, he's, he's a character. Um, whether or not he's a good manager for Napoli, I don't know. But it was an encouraging first game back. And I I think almost as sort of poignant as the game, which Napoli won an important game, away to Atlanta 2-1, not an easy game to win. Um, but it almost felt like what was as significant was right after the game, Victor Osimhen posting a bunch of pictures of himself in a Napoli shirt again. And of course, Osimhen took down all the pictures of himself after that whole TikTok debacle. Um, and the TikTok story is not directly linked to Rudy Garcia, right? Like it's not actually like Rudy no. Garcia who's in control of, of um, Napoli socials while he's manager. But it just felt like that was symbolic of new manager, new win, new start. You know what I mean? Like it's like Osimhen is sort of taking this opportunity like everyone else to say, okay, let's hit the reset button and start this season afresh. And if you're starting the season afresh with an away win in Atlanta, it's, it's a pretty good place to start. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A lot has been said about Atlanta and their home record and the fact that they hadn't conceded any goals until Inter came. But when you looked at the teams that they did play, they were all teams that they should have beaten quite comprehensively anyway. So against the bigger teams, we have seen them stutter at home, uh, even if it's a nil-nil against Juventus. But Inter, 
uh, defeated them. And then I was interested to see how Napoli would play under Mazzari. I thought the first half, they were very, very good. Very good. Um, I especially liked Kravatskelia's performance. And I think that he's the player that we haven't necessarily always seen the best of. Um, but I do think even under Garcia that we saw a lot of brilliance from him. But him in particular was was wonderful to watch. Him embracing Mazzari at the end of the game, I think was a brilliant gesture too. Because it seems like everyone's on board with, with what's going on. It's almost a bit like, bye Garcia. <laughs> like We like this one. We can keep this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so... I don't know whether that means something, like you said, with Osman in his pictures and with Kravitzkelia hugging him. I feel like at least they feel um, somewhat more in sync with this particular manager that has gotten quite a little bit of praise, actually, from a lot of the press. I thought a lot of them would be like, oh, this guy again. But he got a lot of press for the way that he's so passionate about his job, that he's so almost coming onto the pitch to try to tell them to press. Always very concerned with his team, with his players' emotions. Um, the way he spoke about Anguisa was very sweet as well. But then the second half came. I thought Atalanta were very good. I thought Pasolic had potentially one of his best games. I always like how much Hatterball can give to this team. I think he he's quite smart in the way that he'll be like, okay, this is going to be hard. Like We've got to keep pushing forward, forward so that you know, we, we can nullify their ability to come forward. Um, but yes, I, I thought that Atalanta were also unlucky not to score more goals in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. I did want to ask you something, actually, because there's obviously this whole thing about the goalkeeping situation in Atalanta. <laughs> and I and I had lots of people being like, well, what did you expect from Musso? You know, he's, he's a terrible goalkeeper. And everyone's like, you've got to give Karnaseki a go because all these great goalkeepers think Karnaseki is, is a real one. And then... He, He's since taken on. Um, Straight away responsible for the goal. Yeah, Responsible for this one. He's been responsible uh, for a few errors, but he is a kid. Um, and, I, and I thought it was interesting because Gasparini didn't want to sort of, you know. Um, oh, sure, guys. When, when Cavillia is 23, oh, 23 years old, Minas is he's close to retirement. When Karnasecki is 23 years old, he's a kid. Because in goalkeeping <laughs> years, it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in goalkeeping years, you could be 45 and still be Buffon. <laughs> so there is a difference, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, yes, you're right. He's not yet close to retirement, like good old Camilla. <laughs> <laughs> come on, it's the funniest tweet you would have read. He's <laughs> like, come, come on, this guy's retiring. <laughs> I think their goalkeeping situation is um, is interesting. Not you know to say the least, because Gasparini was very quick to say like, stop asking me to replace Musso. You know they're going to make mistakes, and then he does replace him, and then we've seen. This isn't the first mistake that Karnasekis made. Um, but either way, I thought it was a really fun match to watch, in all honesty. I thought that it was, you know, good appearances from different players at Kravatskelia, but Osman coming on, so good. He's, you know, no mask, though. There's a part of me that's like, I forgot what you looked like. <laughs> and so it's so weird to watch him without that mask. It's almost mm-hmm. like a whole new Osman, right? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It, it sort of challenges you. You're like, I think for me, it's more that feeling of like, something's not the same, something's not the same. Oh, wait, yeah, <laughs> like it, it takes a second. You know, it's it's so easy to read too much into one game, right? It's mm. one game of football and and the winning goal, as you say, it's an error by Kardinaseki and, um, and a moment of sort of 
that sort of rare Osiman. One of the many things that makes Osiman such a, an unusual and brilliant player is he's got those go-go gadget legs and he manages to reach that ball at sort of full stretch and, and that creates the opportunity go for, for the, for the goal. I mean, they are though, aren't they? When you yeah, watch really that goal, are. it's like he, he wins that ball and you think no other player on the pitch reaches that. I, I do think there are some signs that you look at and go, okay, that's interesting. You know, they went back to building from the back. Actually, after scoring that early goal, it was quite a sort of cautious football, which is not a surprise to Mazzari. But I think in some ways it was getting back to principles that that suit Atalanta that perhaps have been lost. I think you and I talked about this a few times with Garcia. It felt sometimes like he was almost trying to bypass the midfield, especially when Osterman was fit, and just look for those long balls up to Osterman, which was always plan B for Spalletti, not plan A. Mm. Whereas I just felt like watching this game, okay, this game is all about really for Napoli. It's all about Lobotka again. And that's how the team worked under Spalletti. It's all about Lobotka and it goes from there, right? That's your, that's your, your orchestrator in the middle. And of course, the winning moves are all about Kraus, Gellia, Rossiman, Politana, whoever's up front. But you need that control somewhere. And I think that under Garcia, it felt like that core idea was maybe not lost, but certainly not as sort of firmly held. And and maybe Matsadi is just bringing things back down to, all right, let's get back to this thing we did really well, or you did really well before I got here, I suppose. Um, I, I I think he's not going to be the next manager to lead them to a league title. But I think this was a really encouraging start just in terms of what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to be a traguetatore. He's supposed to be the ferryman to get them to the end of the season. And I think that this was a very positive start in in that ambition. Yeah, I also like the way that basically I think what they needed was just somebody who to be a really successful coach after a very successful coach is a difficult thing to do. Um, and yeah. I I always feel like Allegri and Inzaghi did a good job following on from Antonio Conte in the sense that they didn't change too much, but just slowly started to introduce different ideas. Become a member at patreon.com forward slash Serie Chronicles for regular bonus episodes and content. Sports Social Podcast Network.